<laughs> Heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, Croatia, two, England, one. Uh, it pains me to say, we were just saying this outside, but Croatia were definitely the better team from the second half onwards. It's a bit disappointing. And in, in a way, I suppose it's a kind of another kind of inkling towards that idea that we've discussed previously that England maybe go one ahead and then don't look quite as confident. So that's something that I'm sure uh, Gareth Southgate and the boys, who've done so well, can work on before the Euros in two years' time. I'm hesitant to be too disappointed because before the tournament, if I'd known that we were going to reach the semi-finals, I would have thought that would be a fantastic achievement. It hurts a little bit to go out to Croatia because I thought on paper we were the best team, but as we've said, I think Croatia probably deserved it overall. Do you think that's a fair statement, Alex? Yeah, they they certainly created better, more and better chances. Yeah. Um, I think England maybe struggled to break them down as successfully as they have other sides. The set pieces didn't come through. Um, Trippier's direct free kick aside, um, Croatia shored up the midfield. They yeah. brought Brozovic in, which I think was an absolute necessity. If they'd not done that, I could have seen England running away with that. You could argue also that that's, <clears throat> what, that's sort of where they want it because there were there were numerous. I mean, what was interesting about this game, and there's not been not been too many so far and I suppose generally speaking this is the sort of game you might tend to see towards the last stages of a tournament like this when the better teams are left in it but both teams wanted to hold on to the ball and at times what that led to was a sort of scrappy almost not quite but almost end-to-end affair you know and I think on on balance Croatia's midfield managed that better than England's did. Yeah they also I think were able to hold the ball up in wide spaces particularly well um Rebic, for all his abrasiveness and fouling, otherwise had a very good game. Perisic also. Uh, Mandzukic drifting across and targeting that space in between Stones and Walker, or Walker and Trippier, which uh, we highlighted as a potential weakness for England. Um, I think the second goal was was unfortunate. You could see Mandzukic's head actually drop after that initial clearance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in frustration, and then all of a sudden, as the ball was played back in, he he just reacted half a second quicker than anybody else. Now, I have to say, I think it's it's probably the first mistake I've seen from John Stones in the entire tournament. Yeah. So, um, it's hugely unfortunate that it conceded a goal off the back of it. Mm. Um, but there was a moment in the, um, I think it was the first half of extra time, uh, where Modric took on Harry Kane and uh, tackled him and sort of came away with the ball and symbolically, if you'll allow me, it sort of felt at that point that uh, that was a sort of a metaphor for the wider game. Croatia's hero player, Modric, was still banging at it after two previous games of extra time and penalties um, and Harry Kane looked a little bit off the pace by that point. No surprises. I mean, it was it was a hard game for the England players. They were chasing the ball around quite a lot as well particularly from the second half onwards. Yes, and I think that's the benefit of having, you know, England's style, which is predicated on quick transitions and quick interchanges, does always yield the opportunity to turn the ball over. Uh, Whereas Croatia, with Modric and Rakitic, uh, have been fashioned to, to keep the ball when they've got the chances and then look for direct openings out wide. But they're not always... They're not concerned about immediately hitting it forwards. Yeah. They're, they're, 
they're comfortable enough on the ball in tight spaces to be able to hold it. And I think for all England's uh, dynamism in attack, um, which has been admirable throughout the tournament, um, and again, I think you know Sterling did very well carrying the ball, dropping off um, Kane. Likewise, it's there's the the two issues with that sort of constant movement style of, of football with an attacking front four mm. uh, is that you don't necessarily hold the ball up all that well, no. uh, and that you you kind of reliant on somebody getting ahead and breaking the line and having that final chance. And England did manage to do that a few times, yeah, um, but but not as much as they needed to. Um, and they did; they definitely didn't create enough chances in open play. I think for, throughout this game, and Croatia did very well to prevent corners and prevent set pieces. They they fouled a lot, but they fouled a lot in England's half where yeah. the free kicks weren't going to be dangerous. And you have to say that looked coached, which is a very sensible sensible thing to do before a game like this. Yeah, I mean Croatia approached this game with a kind of and and I don't I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but there was a cynicism about Croatia's uh, Croatia's play. You know, like you you say they they were looking to to foul, particularly foul English defenders where possible. Mm. Um, try and cut the rapid counter attacking off at source. Quite prepared to um, you know go down if there was a sort of tussle for the ball. I think um, I, I know you said you didn't necessarily want to discuss it on the pod, but I think the referee was was poor in those terms he I, I agree I agree with that. I, I just thought before you carry on and, and you should, the reason the reason I didn't want to bring it up on the podcast is because I felt maybe in an abstract sense it had an impact on the game. I don't think there were any specific incidences that we you know we can be confident that would have made much of a difference. I think the point that, that we were making outside was that the referee's bad performance in particularly in allowing fouls to go and missing on a few obvious things, I would say um, maybe had a, a, a psychological impact on the England players rather than it being a sort of particular turning point in the game. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely two corners that should have been awarded to England and weren't. And given how dangerous England are from set pieces, that could have been yeah. important. I think it's more the fact and that... And Rebic. Uh, yeah, and Rebic arguably committed three yellow card offences. Um, I think the issue with it is that England have not played that way at all no. in the tournament. No. And, That's and quite if, frustrating. If, if there's anything <clears throat> about this team that isn't good, and I this will sound like a weird thing to say, it's that they aren't shithousy. It's not, it, as you say, it's a lack of gamesmanship. Yes, and, and sometimes gamesmanship is necessary. And, and I know you got very frustrated with the Croatian time-wasting mm towards the end of the game and I, and I sort of said oh well you know if, if England were in this position they'd be doing the same thing and you said they probably wouldn't and actually I think to a degree Certainly not to the extent that Croatia were you're probably right yeah. and and I think there's a you know for all of the the youth and exuberance of that team and how immensely lovable they are which they really are it's honor. um it's all about honor <laughs> well is it about honor or is it just about no, just you know for, for for a lot of the teams that have have done well and possibly have done better than one would have thought, mm. there has been an edge to them. Yeah. Um, Croatia have an edge, certainly. Uh, Belgium have an edge, particularly in people like Fellaini and Wetzel mm. and uh, even Vertonghen. Um, Uruguay have an edge. Mm. You know, 
France, oddly, I don't think do. No. Um, but but France, Allez le bleu. Kind of France are a, like just a better version of England in that regard. You know, yeah. it's it's well, we'll never find out now. Well, we'll never find out now. <laughs> but we are all we are all French now. <laughs> hey, Phil, yeah. what's your takeaway for England from from this tournament? Um, one of the huge positivity, really. Still, um, I've, I've, it's even Southgate himself has said that um, this is literally just the beginning, and that's before the tournament. I was, and especially after the first few games, when you could see how much of a brilliant job he's done with this bunch of players. For me, the the minimum was getting to the quarterfinals at the very least, just to keep Southgate in the job. Mm. Um, for me, that would be crucial going forwards. Because it's it could be the beginning of something really really good if Southgate's in charge, yeah, yeah. Or at least someone very very much in the same mould, mm-hmm. and that's that's something to be really positive about and to, and to massively look forward to. It's, it's, it's the most positive exit to a, to an England uh, England exit to a tournament that we've seen since nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. And even then, we played better during as a, that, that team did during, like, during that period. There is massive scope over the next two major tournaments for England to really do something and to be um, mm. and, for, and for England fans not to be surprised that they're at this stage yeah yeah. that's the kind of benchmark now that that's it should be at least that it's it's no longer should be a surprise to see England at this stage yeah there's a little bit of honing to do then, like, as, as Alex said the England Cup with a, bit of, with a bit of an edge that could be lethal and in four years time or two years time you know the team of the squad, which was on average the youngest of this tournament, will be yeah, in peak well, years. Absolutely, well, the absolute peak year. Yeah, I mean, you want an average age of about twenty-seven. Mm. Yeah, um, Gals was just just under twenty-five. <clears throat> yeah, so you know, I, I think in it's certainly something that's been talked about a lot in rugby in in the past. The idea of, and it's largely because rugby only has. Uh, aside from the Six Nations, it only has four-year World Cups. Right. Yeah. So teams very deliberately seek to construct their sides on a four-year cycle. Right. So the teams are peaking not just in terms of performance, but in terms of age profile and everything else at exactly the right time. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, and I think this is with this England side. Um, it, this is possibly a, a tournament too early for them. Yeah. In that regard. I'll tell you what I think. I think there's. I've. I've Made it made the comparison several times during this tournament between England and uh, Germany of two thousand and six. Yeah, but I mean, there are variables and differences there that Germ- Germany have arguably got a better system from very young on from a very early age. But it took yeah. that Germany squad that won four years ago a fair few cracks at, mm. at winning a major tournament. It was about yeah. like, three or four cracks that actually winning the tournament. So. We're, just at the beginning um, of something, maybe. I hope so. Yeah, and, and also I, we could yeah, say that there's... you know Gareth Southgate's system, as you said there, for, for the players from a young age. Mm. Gareth, the the, the 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 England DNA was instituted what three years ago, maybe maybe yeah, a little bit it. more. That, that's 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 the reason why I think it's so crucial to keep him mm. in that job. Yeah, um, and you can already see even after that short space of time, you can already see how the difference is made to the national team. I think the FA have made a commitment. As I mean, I, I imagine that they'll be. Uh, delighted to keep Gareth Southgate on, and I don't think that he's going to want to leave either. Let's say he did, or he died, or something horrible. Right? Uh, the FA have also committed to hiring a manager in the vein uh, that suits the system that they've decided to play in, which I think is a positive thing. What Julian Nagelsmann? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> in eight that, years' time, yeah. there is a. I mean, I remember even about a year ago when the uh, the youth team 
World, World Cup then, I remember thinking, it was like, yeah, is this going to translate yeah. into a good England squad? And yeah. I, I don't know, kind of putting two very disparate things together, perhaps, but I don't yeah. know, it seems that there seems to be a little bit of a connection. Yeah. Well, look, that's, that's, as, you, as you pointed out, that's certainly how it worked for Germany. And I think yeah. if, you look at, if you look at Spain's four-year period of domination, it's exactly the same thing, you know. And even, even stretching it out a little bit, and this is, this is a very different point, uh, 15 years ago, Iceland build indoor uh, football arenas. Yeah, 15 years later, Iceland are competing at the World Cup. You know, there's a, there's a, clear, there's a clear progression from these things. Um, we should say as well, we're upstairs at the Old Line. The nice thing, I'm going to bring this up because you mentioned the, the positive exit there. The nice thing, we went outside to have a cigarette and we heard from the sounds from the garden of people singing, what a team, well done England, lots, lots, of, clapping, of, lots yeah. of clapping whenever presumably players came up to be interviewed and stuff. And there is actually, there's a nice feeling around London. I don't know what it's like elsewhere in the UK, but certainly I bumped into an old friend downstairs last night. And he was saying that uh, he'd just been getting involved in chats. People have been coming up to him and talking about it. And I had the same thing the other day when I was in the shop. Yeah. Um, I've been from around and saw another guy in absolutely sweating buckets. And I was wearing the only England shirt I wear, which no. is way too heavy for hot weather. <laughs> I found out during the run, hence why I'm not wearing it now. Yeah, yeah but a chat for about five minutes nice. about prospects over this game. And yeah, I think that there's... It's done a huge amount in that respect. Mm. Um, it's been great for me as well because uh, because all we've done for the last twenty two days is uh, sit in here and watch football. <laughs> I've got nothing else to talk about other than Game of Thrones, which I've been watching in the evening. And so when my uh, sister, for example, or my mother want to talk to me on the phone, they want to talk about football, and it's good because I don't have anything else to say. I've I've watched everything from the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling show. Sure. Glow. Yeah. Yeah. On uh, Netflix, that's really good. So, if anyone wants to talk to you about that, you're you're okay. Talk to me about Alison Brie. Sure. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Phil, anyone to talk to you about anything else? <laughs> oh, and Hyperion, obviously. Talk to me about Hyperion. Oh, yeah, we dropped that. Claire, yeah. Claire and I watch a lot of detect, uh, detective dramas. So we've been getting through Vera. You what? You watching um... <laughs> Vera? What? The fuck? Got Brenda Bleffen in it. Brenda Mate, that's, that's excellent. That's no guarantee of anything. <laughs> Let's talk about Croatia because it's it's 15 minutes in now and we haven't really mentioned them that much. Um, they were impressive from the second half on. I, there's a feeling, I think, it's certainly in here, that France will be the clear favourite. However, I thought England were the clear favourite for this game and it didn't quite pan out that way. Do you think... Uh, France were clear favourites against Portugal as well mm, in the last Euro. Yeah. Alex is uh, making a face. Alex is making a face. Phil, what's he making a face well, I don't. I don't think Croatia were... Sorry, I don't think England were clear favourites here. Not clear, but I mean, I said that's why I said I think. Yeah, but it, I, I think... I couldn't imagine losing. That's why it hurts so much. Sure. It's, you've got to prepare for your close ones to break up with you. But you can... Otherwise it hurts. You can look at as we did prior to this match, you could look at the, how the two teams would likely shape up and what they would likely do. And you could see clear areas where either side would dominate. Yeah. And one of the things as well that's been mentioned on Twitter a little bit in reference to the referee and Croatia making use of that, like we've been talking about, is the experience, the big game experience, you know, Champions League finals and stuff like that, of, of players like Modric, Rakitic, Mandzukic. You know, these are... These are not, you know, it's <laughs> not their first time oh, in no, front I, of a I, crowd. But by saying that England, oh, I thought England were a clear favourite, I didn't mean that to, uh, you, to... You didn't mean what you said. No, I didn't. I meant that, but what, I didn't mean that by... by what, how, do, what, how do I use words? 
I didn't mean that Croatia weren't a good team. Right. I just thought that England were playing so well and looked so good that okay. they, they should win the game. Yeah. I, I think I mean, we all thought England would win the game. Yeah. It looked, it looked like England had a, a better mentality going into it. Yeah. I think possibly too much into the into the sense that um, Croatia had to go through two extra times and two penalty shootouts yeah. and looked, for the most part of it, pretty rubbish, didn't it? Yeah. Whilst yeah. England had a, a very like milestone victory on penalties and then a very confident win against Sweden. So, you, yeah. you know, at least for mentality-wise, we free confidence that England, you would have said, at least in that respect, would be yeah. clear favourites. Here's one other thing to mention at this point. Uh, Google, uh, throughout this tournament, every England game, I don't understand how this is happening, they put Deli Alley at left wing-back and Ashley Young as a central <laughs> midfielder every single game. They also... Put Kane on the right and Sterling on the left. Yeah, just that's, the, that's less confusing. I mean, I can understand getting the form. I mean, it is still wrong. wrong. It's wrong, but Jacko's just like putting Spotify on shuffle. Just <laughs> yeah. see what happens. <laughs> Amazingly, it's quite accurate. Like half the time. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to ask about Croatia. I mean, I suppose we should talk about. In fact, yesterday we spent about five minutes talking about how England were going to play against France in the final. So perhaps we should do that with regards to Croatia now because they will be going through. Mandzukic caused a lot of trouble today. As you said, I think he a little half a second sharper there right towards the end of the game. And as we mentioned with Modric as well, that comes on the back of what will now be three games in a row going all the way to the end of extra time. You know, mm-hmm. so that you could argue that they'll be tied, but they didn't really look it today. Um, those wide forwards as well, Perisic and Rebic, who both had very good games today. And as you mentioned earlier on, Alex, at times they looked really strong and they held the ball up very well very well whenever Modric pinged it out to one of them. Um, do you think, how, how, how important do you think that's going to be against France and, and do you think that is the sort of thing that can hurt France or are they going to be playing in a very different way to, to England? Well, it's, it, it's really the only way that Croatia particularly attack, yeah. um, especially when they are playing Brozovic as well because there's not really a, a, a classic number 10 in that lineup, mm. So that there's not much for them to go through the middle towards. Mandzukic does have a natural tendency to drift as well, um, particularly out towards the left. So it's quite natural for Croatia to go wide. I think in that regard... Crime sets back in on England's streets. Everyone's been delighted for Everyone's a week. Everyone's been so happy. And now the muggers are back out. Um, I think it's going to be really important how Hernandez and Pavard defend against them. I think the fact that Hernandez, the left fullback for France, has played regularly at centre-back is going to be really important yeah. because he's not going to get bossed around in the air. Yeah. Um, I think Pavard is going to need more assistance from Mbappe than mm. he's possibly got so far otherwise in the tournament. Right. Um, I think if you want to be a France fan, you have to drop the D when you say Pavard. But at least it's not as bad as Glenn Huddle saying Mandukic. Is it Pavard? Pavard would be, yeah. Pavard. Okay, fine. Pavard. Um, so, yeah, Pavard is going to need help from Mbappe. Mbappé? Yeah, can you? Uh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's okay because we'll be supporting Antoine, France. So please, man. I think it's okay to, to, to do sort of uh, yeah. accents. Um, but what do you think will happen? I think I think Croatia's centre-backs will have a harder time against Olivier Giroud. Oh, that sounds good coming from you. Um, How did you say that, Phil? Olivier Giroud. 
It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. It's almost like you're not even using the tongue. It just comes out of the mouth. Oh, you're used to the tongue. Though, you're using the it? tongue. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, Kane. Sorry, Kane dropped off an awful lot, and and there wasn't. I don't think there were too many times, except at set pieces, when particularly Croatia's centre backs really felt the presence of an England player around them. Yeah. Like contesting for stuff. Giroud's not going to allow that to happen. Okay. Um, my only change, possibly, would be to consider uh, having Fakir on um, for Griezmann. Yeah. Because I'm not sure how great he's been. Um, and I think Fakir adds a certain dynamism, particularly in the first half, to unsettle Croatia and attack hard through the middle. That might be uh, helpful. Yeah. But I expect Deschamps to go for exactly the same lineup, and okay. I expect France to win. Before we go to uh, predictions and also to pronounce Philippe the winner, uh, the, I think the only hope we yeah, had I'm not left. Happy about it. Well, no, but I think you should be overall a stellar, stellar performance across the tournament. It was, um, a, it was a Manchester United of a, of a few years back. Before, it was a little, so, wasn't yeah. it? Well, we'll come to that. Um, before we do, I do want to talk about Raheem Sterling. Um, because it's been it's been a few days since we put a video out on him. We had a lot of uh, response to that, an awful lot of comments. Some very supportive, some critical. Most very supportive. Most very supportive. Some critical. And <clears throat> um, I think this game is a perfect a perfect example of the difference between Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford because a lot of the negative comments uh, were saying, "Sure, Sterling can do these things, but Rashford can do them all and finish." And there were two things that. I, I've been thinking about that, and I think this game kind of helps to solidify that as well. As you mentioned earlier on, Alex, before Sterling went off, England were holding the ball up a lot better. And I know that isn't necessarily what Rashford's been told to come on and do. No. However, uh, there is a clear difference there in the way that they play. Yes. And we should also point out that, I think it was in the game against Belgium, so the argument is that it doesn't matter as much that um, Marcus Rashford had two clear-through on goal opportunities and missed both of them, which is not a criticism of him. That happens to strikers. Yeah. And that you know, happens happens a lot. And there were a number of times where... I mean, Harry Kane, for example, that happened today. Harry Kane, that happened against Sweden as well, but he doesn't get the same no. critical reception that Raheem Sterling does. And I think that's the that's the ultimate point that, that we want to make. We're not, we're not coming out here and saying, oh, Sterling is far better than any other player. One, he's different from Marcus Rashford, and to say that he isn't is just inaccurate. And two, there are plenty of other players who miss clear-cut opportunities. It happens to all strikers, and they yeah. don't get they don't get the same critical reception that, that that Sterling does. And I think that's what feels unjustified about it. I think I think what's unjustified about it is that people are some people, not everyone. Some people absolutely get what we're saying. People are reading the team sheet and saying Sterling's a striker, therefore, A, he's interchangeable with Rashford or Vardy. Mm. He's not. They're different players. They do different things. Secondly, he's a striker, therefore, he should be getting up and scoring goals. Well, prior to this game, he'd had seven shots. Four of them had been blocked. One was an excellent save and he'd missed twice. Mm -hmm. So that's not actually that bad at all. Um, He'd also lost the ball significantly less than a large number of yep. other England players, yet that's and one of the main criticisms of him. Correct. He was also the fourth most effective player in the World Cup of any side, mm. uh, making breaks, carrying the, full, the ball forwards and not losing it. Yeah, um, That's from something that the, the FT put out today. So I think there are a lot of misapprehensions around him. Um, 
there is an undercurrent of criticism which is frankly nasty and racist. Uh, and I think the fact that we've put out, I don't know, 150 videos since we started, mm. maybe more. Probably more. Uh, this is the first one where I've ever read comments of people saying things like, oh, I like and agree with all of your videos except this one. Yeah. As if somehow we're right 99.9% .9 of the time <laughs> until we talk about Raheem Sterling yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden we're wrong. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we are right all of the rest of the time, no, although sure. I think we're pretty good. <laughs> um, but it just goes to show that this is a player who, and I, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever, that the negative coverage mm. around him that's put out, particularly by newspapers like the Daily Mail and by The Sun, contributes to a climate in which his performances are not fairly judged. No. And, and that's that's the key point, because obviously we're not saying it's good that he hasn't scored. No, of course and not. And we're not saying that what, he couldn't but what improve we are finishing. Saying, but what we are saying is that if you think he's playing at the World Cup like a striker, mm. you're wrong. Yeah. And this is what he's actually doing. If you think he should be playing like he plays at Man City... That's fine, but that's not what he's been asked to do in this system. Mm. What I can tell you as somebody who has watched a lot of football and watched a lot of, of England and reviewed videos and all that kind of stuff is that Sterling is doing exactly what he's been asked to do and he's doing it really well. Mm. And if you think different to that, it's because you're not watching properly. Mm. There you go. And I'll fight anybody who questions that. <laughs> I think that's fine. And yeah, I mean, I, I, as I said, the reason I wanted to bring it up is to, is because we had a lot of response to it. And for for anyone listening to to this who watched the video, it might be interesting for them to hear. But as I said, the key the key for me, the frustration is that it's unjustified. Yeah. And as I said, no one no one is trying to defend anyone for not scoring goals or playing no, how and, it's, and it's think... purely that it's obvious. The, the, the way in which he is treated is different from, from yeah. other players. And the, the, there is one last thing I'd say, which is there are a couple of people who've said that it, it has become, uh, certainly I guess on kind of football Twitter, it's become impossible to criticise Rashford mm. and that his deficiencies are masked because if you do criticise him, then you're seen as being as bad as the male or the son. Do, do you mean Sterling? Sorry, what did I say? Rashford. Sterling, sorry. You've got your black players confused there. I don't know if you want to. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, no. God knows why. Um, the point is that, like you say, we're not saying that Sterling's been perfect. Yeah. We're not saying that, you know, he couldn't have improved in some regards. But I don't think any English player has been perfect. Mm. That's not the point. The point is... John Stones was very nearly perfect. And Jordan Pickford, I think, sure. was very nearly perfect. But to to consistently misunderstand things and to... Uh, consistently rail against a player. I think willfully misunderstand at times. At times, yes. And, and rail against a player for the sorts of things that other players do in exactly the same game yeah. and don't get that criticism. Yeah, That's what pisses me off. Now, yeah. if you want to say, mm, sometimes Sterling gives the ball away a bit much, yeah, sometimes he gives the ball away. Mm. Sometimes he doesn't take fairly good chances. Mm. Sometimes he does look a little yippy in front of goal. Mm. But... That's not what we're saying. No. What what we're saying is there's a load of people out there who either willfully don't get it, don't get it and therefore should learn about it, mm. or are racist. Sure. And, I, you know. You just described most of my dinner parties. <laughs> they just don't get me. And they don't right. want to get me. No. Because they're racist. 
Okay, uh, well, I don't know where to go from here because I'm sad. I think we should just go home. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's not be sad. Let's, 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 uh, let's rally in Philippe's glory. Uh, I mean, you are a million miles ahead. And if France win, which I suspect they will on Sunday, with not wanting to, you know, cause any curses, touch some wood, everyone, uh, if France win, you'll get another five points for predicting that at the, uh, at the outset. So. And another one as well. And another one. So <laughs> no, no one gets the point today. Do you oh yeah, we will do that. Oh yeah, we will do that. Yeah, yeah, but it's still it's out of touch. What is the tally? Have you got it in your? Um, got it in your I'm little 11, diary? You're on seven, and Alex is on four. Man, I don't care. You really want to try and win one more so you can get to five at least. Okay. I went for England 7-1 today. Do you think that was a serious <laughs> comment? I thought maybe. No. Uh, to be fair, initially, when they scored that first goal in the eighth minute or whatever, we thought, it's going to be it's a on. <laughs> It's on, it's coming home still. What if it's coming home? Uh, yeah, OK, well, maybe we will cut this one a little bit short. So apologies to anyone who wants to hear more about France and Croatia, but uh, you'll hear loads about that in a podcast that we do on, on Sunday. And we'll also be making uh, a tactical preview of the game and a review in case we're wrong in the first one. So, you know, we get a chance to write that. Um, plenty more videos coming up this week. We're doing a Team of the Tournament video, so you can see. And that's going to be an interesting one, because we're not just picking 11 players. We're picking maximum of one player per club, uh, and we're picking it sort of in a in a format per country, did you say? Per country, sorry. Uh, and we're picking uh, in a formation that we think has been been the best, although ironically there are no 3-5-2s in the final, so <laughs> maybe we should rethink that. Um, so that's going to be fun and we've also got a delightfully illustrated moments of the tournament which I won't explain any further but you'll be pleased to see if you do I think um, but yeah thanks for listening and we will be back on Saturday with a podcast about the largely irrelevant England game against Belgium which was largely irrelevant last time they played Belgium about two weeks ago okay bye <laughs>